Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blaze and Riot Radio. It is Monday, February 3rd, 2014. Where does the time go? And tonight on the program, we have the lovely, the talented, the, the insatiable, that's, that's the word, right? Victoria Houston LM, about to reprise her show at 54 Below. Is it reprise or reprise? I never knew. Um, we had quite an interesting uh, weekend, uh, us being uh, the United States of America, in that our Super Bowl was last night. And um, I don't follow football at all, but I knew enough to know that the score should not be so lopsided. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Broncos just, I don't know if they didn't show up or whatever. Today people were like, I don't know what, what they could have done different. But, come on, I, I never see... Well, yeah, I do see tennis matches like that, but usually not in a final. Oh, boy. So, hey. Hey, everyone. Um, what I would like you to do, and I hope this is all right with you, is to go to blazonryradio.com. See our brand new, spanking new, beautiful website, B-L-A-Z-I-N-R-Y-R-A-D-I-O.com. That's blazonryradio.com. And let me ask you something. You guys, uh, you guys like shaving? Now, who does? You guys like buying razors? It's even worse than shaving. You know, you go up to the, the store clerk at the Dwayne Reed or the Walgreens or the CVS or the Walmart, and you're like, uh, could I get the uh, Gillette Turbo Power Duck Butter 3 mock, mock razor? And inevitably, the store clerk will always say, how many blades? And then you always have to go, no, 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 not the blades. I need the actual thing, the, the actual razor part, because you never know. You can, one can never remember if he or she still <laughs> has one of those handy. Um, or maybe that's just me. Maybe that's why I'm so not clean-shaven so much of the time. Um, but when you go to blazingrideradio.com, we have a solution for you. On the top right corner of the screen, there's a banner for Dollar Shave Club. Also, there's a banner at the bottom of the screen on the homepage that says, Buying Razors Sucks, because it fucking does. All right, so what you do is you click on the banner, and it takes you right to dollarshaveclub.com, and this is how it works, all right? It couldn't be simpler. What you do when you get there, you'll, you'll never have to buy a razor in a store again. Select one of their great razors after you click on our banner, pay one monthly fee, 
that's mad low, a dollar a month. Depending on what quality razor you want, it goes anywhere from $1 to $9, and shipping and handling is included, so you can't really get a better deal than that. Um, they'll send them right to your door, $1 a month, right to your door. No more overpaying for fancy brand name shave tech. No more forgetting to buy your blades. Say so you have a job interview, all right? And then you remember when you get home that, uh, oh, shit, I have a job interview tomorrow, and I haven't shaved yet. Well, it's too late for me to go to the Dwayne Reed. I don't want to, you know, walk down the street and get mugged at midnight. Uh, besides, it's not even open at that time. So we got you covered, man. Just go to blazingrightradio.com, click on the banner for Dollar Shave Club, and you're all set. Every new member gets a free compatible handle, and if you upgrade or downgrade your plan to a different blade, you get another free handle. You're going to love your blades. I guarantee it. But even if you don't, you can cancel anytime easily. So all you have to do, go to blazingryradio.com, click on the banner for Dollar Shave Club, and bam, $1 a month razors delivered right to your fucking door. Can't get any better than that, all right? Um, also, hey, hey, everyone, go to shortyawards.com slash Blazing Rye and vote for Blazing Rye and Podcaster. You like the show? You like what we do? Did you listen to the interview with Tommy James? How about the one with Freeway Ricky Ross? Are you listening for the first time tonight because you're Victoria's uncle or aunt or cousin or sister? Uh, well, go to shortyawards.com, sign in with your Twitter account, and vote for Blazing Rye or Podcaster in an official Shorty Awards category this year, category of podcaster. Um, so that's exciting. And uh, if you want to, while you're there, vote in a couple other categories. There's the category of uh, best web show, which we're doing all right in because I think we nominated ourselves a couple times. And then there's the category of ooh, uh, weird. You can nominate us in weird. That's a fucking good one. Or uh, there's one more that I'm forgetting at the moment. Uh, what the hell was it? Best web show weird oh and podcast and podcast and hey it couldn't be simpler go to shortyawards.com slash blazing rye and uh vote for us all right well next wednesday february 12th my next my guest and i will return to 54 below with her acclaimed cabaret please welcome to the program victoria houston lm victoria how are you hi hi what's going on (laughs) with you today Oh, uh, not much. A lot of cooking. <laughs> a lot of cocaine? No, cooking, like in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, what are you making? Um, I made tilapia and green beans, some Greek uh, lemon chicken and rice soup, and some magic bars. What's in the magic bars? Magic bars are, well, basically you make like a, <laughs> you make a graham cracker crust, and you yeah. put in a whole bunch of stuff like co- uh, coconut and pecans and chocolate chips and butter, butterscotch chips and just dump a whole bunch of sweet and condensed milk over it and bake it. Is this a big thing for you, cooking? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, everything that you said sounded extremely healthy except for those magic bars. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I, I try to... <laughs> I try to cook healthy dinners and lunches and things so that I can have my magic bars and not feel like I'm being too terrible to my health. <laughs> That's a good way. Everything in moderation. I have a real problem with that. You know, next, next, I let myself uh, just order in, and next thing I know, I've eaten an entire Domino's 
large pizza. Oh yeah, for me it's cereal. Yeah. If I if I keep like uh, Captain Crunch in the house, I'll eat the whole box like in a sitting. Cereal <laughs> is a downfall for me. <laughs> Ugh. All right, so Tori, this this is very exciting. You uh, premiered your cabaret recently to whopping success, and you're going to go back next week, February 12th, uh, back to 54 below. And it's at what time? 11:30, February 12th. Yep, 11:30, 11:30 p.m. Yep, nice late 11:30 night, p.m. So. <laughs> so, tell me a little bit about what your cabaret is about. I guess uh, if I had to sort of encapsulate it, it is about my dating life and also and, and trying to take a step back and look at it positively. I guess is is, is the one liner version of it. But the whole thing the whole thing came about because I'm on OKCupid and I get messages from I don't initiate this contact, but I get messages from people that are kind of outrageous. And so I, uh-huh. I started to put – I was in, like, a competition at 54 Below, and I wrote a little bit about it, and it was really successful. And that's what made – that's what gave me this whole opportunity, was that little bit about OK Cupid. <laughs> wow. And so what's the most outrageous message that you've gotten? Oh, man. Well, um, I think the most outrageous one is actually in my show. Uh, and and I, it's this guy, he, he said um, – and this was un. This is his first message. He writes, uh, you are so beautiful, uh, so beautiful in fact that I would strap 45-pound weights to each of my balls and swim through shark-infested waters using only Snooky's fart fumes as my air supply just for the chance to make out with your ex-boyfriend to get a taste of you. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? Snooky's you said something like that. You're fart just asking fumes? for me to make it public. Fart fumes, Snooky's. I mean, and and the best, and then when I get one, when I get a message that's that's that outrageous, I'll I'll copy the whole thing and put it in Google and see how many other people he sent it to, and he sent it to a lot of people. Like that's his, <laughs> I guess his A game. That's his like number one line that he sends out. <laughs> and now he wants to make out with your ex boyfriend to get a taste of me. <laughs> well, as soon as you said strap, I knew it was going downhill. You know, anything yep. after that, yep. strap is in the first message. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where they find uh, me, and I've had I've had friends of mine look at my profile to see if there's if somewhere on there there's like a big you know checkered flag waving the crazies towards it, but there's nothing. It's pretty normal. <laughs> What do you think is the sweetest message you've gotten on OKCupid? Oh, you know, that's tough because there's a Mm. lot of really genuinely nice people. I feel like a lot of people talk about OKCupid like this big dumping ground of crazy people and just like lewd people, but they're really, you know, I've got friends on it. I'm on it, and I think I'm pretty normal. And I've gotten Mm -hmm. some messages from guys that seem just, you know, downright sweet. Like, I think you're beautiful and I'd really like to take you out for a cup of coffee or I'd really like to get to know you better. Just nice things like that. But, you know, never, never anything so incredible that I can call, recall it, that I can bring it up to memory because what I remember. Uh, is, and what do you think is the funniest message you've received on OkCupid? Unless the strap on thing was it. Um, I think that's probably one of the best. And I got a really, I had a really great um, dialogue because now I've started responding to them. Um, and this Christmas, <laughs> I was 
I was in, I was in Virginia on the couch with my sister-in-law, and I got a message from this guy, and his first message was, um, you will be my big titty bottom bitch. <laughs> big titty what? Bottom bitch? Yep, you will be my big titty bottom bitch. And I wrote back, I think you've been misinformed. And then the ball just started, he just started coming at me. Like, oh, I said, you've been misinformed. And he said, I don't think so. Give me your red hair. And I said, uh, well, go get it yourself. It's Feria, number 67. And it, it just went on like that for about an hour. <laughs> him sending weird, like, like, I want you to be my submissive and just crazy shit. I mean, what does, what does he expect to come of that? I don't know. Just Tell me that's in your show. That one, you know, I thought about somehow putting that one in it, but it's hard. It's hard to put the dialogue-y ones in. Maybe I'll just read it. Just yeah, I can't imagine a lot of context being able to adapt to that. Uh, but we have to talk about that. What, what you just said, big titty bottom bitch. I'm wondering if this guy has a fetish for ladies who have their uh, breasts on their ass. You know, so like their ass looks like breasts. You know, there was some study done recently that, you know, oh, this is so ridiculous, that um, men who say that they're, what is it, that they're, they're like boob men, that they're actually just ass men because they just like looking at the cleavage, looks like the cleavage of a tush, of a butt as well. I don't know who thought that up. I think if you like boobs, you like boobs. Yeah, but no, that's, that sounds like bullshit. Who am I to guess? <laughs> <laughs> um, and is there a, a, a reason why... The show is on February 15th, uh, sorry, what, 12th? Um, well, they gave me uh, some options of dates, but February 12th is as close to Valentine's Day as I could get it. And since it's sort of the single girl sit down, this show, it, it felt appropriate. And also it means I can beg people to bring me chocolate because, you know, there's <laughs> so much on the shelves right now. I think I actually promised someone, I was like, I'll make out with you if you bring me, like, one of those giant containers of cherry cordials, which is, I mean, those are so good. <laughs> it wasn't one of these OK Cupid guys, was it? No, this was someone I, I know in real life, one of my friends. Oy. Although someone suggested <laughs> that I should just invite a bunch of OK Cupid randoms and see what happens. I should, I, I should call up the big titty, big titty bottom bitch guy. I should call him up and be like, hey, come, come to this address at this time. Maybe he'll show up with a girl who has, you know, nipples on her on her ass. <laughs> I mean, listen, it would be exciting for all involved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my last relationship was from OK Cupid. Uh, not really? currently. I'm not in it anymore. But but it, it you know it was good. To all lasted, kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have my, my one of my um one of my best friends was my ex roommate and met her fiance on OK Cupid. There are there are nice people there. They do exist. There's a reason I'm still you know my profile is still active. That's a lie actually. My profile is definitely still active. Just at this point, I'm like every time I get a message, I'm hoping that it's something crazy and funny that I can make fun of. I'm if I'm being <laughs> honest, but <laughs> you know they do. You exist. talk about uh, first kisses in your cabaret. What what do you what do you talk about? I do, that. actually. It's so funny you say that. I There's a, a whole section where I I, uh, I lean down to folks in the audience and ask them about their first kisses and then talk about mine, and that leads into uh, a beautiful song called No More Heroes. By my, it was written by Andrew Garilla, who's my musical director. So, yeah, we talk about that. We talk about, oh, uh, boy, 
some some stories in my history, just like weird things that have happened and some not very nice things that guys have said to me that people don't really like what? think. Oh, man. Um, that's hard to – I'm going to give you the whole show right now. But <laughs> I, once, I was uh, – there was this one guy that I was seeing for a while who lived in Astoria, and when I moved to Manhattan, he – I said, you know, you've got to – I was I live in Washington Heights. I'm still in the apartment. I said I know it's really far away, but you've got to come up and see this apartment. It's really beautiful. And he texted back, um, "Oh, honey, you know you're not worth the trip." What? Yeah, he really said that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, this guy was from Astoria. Yeah, he lives in Astoria. <laughs> I always knew I was right to leave that area. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a winner, but yeah, those are those are the type of things that I've talked. I mean, it wouldn't make sense for me to get up on stage and just talk about mundane. You know, I went on a date with this person, and it was boring, and we went our separate ways. Nobody wants to sit and watch me. <laughs> they want they want to hear the the juice, the stuff that is potentially hurtful and embarrassing. That's what you put up on stage. Well, that that reminds me of cat, the show Cats. You know, where it's like, uh, here's a cat, there's a cat, there's another cat. The end. That's not interesting. At all. Not at all. <laughs> no. Not at all. Um, yeah, if you're, not, so, if you're not willing to go up there and, and be honest about things that were hurtful or ex- or exciting or, or joyful, then I'm not I'm not doing my job and I'm not telling a story that's interesting. So Oh honey, you're not worth the trip. That's a that that doesn't sound is was he a homosexual man? <laughs> No, not no, very much so not, not at all. <laughs> huh. All right, well, you mentioned No More Heroes. Uh, what do you say we play that song for the listeners, hopefully plural? Right. Um, uh, anything else you want to say about No More Heroes before we uh, play it? This song uh, was, uh, it was kind of, I think, a trunk song of Andrew's that he had sort of half written on his piano when, when we were first writing this cabaret, and I was complaining to him about just, you know, being single. We were talking through some ideas, and I mentioned, you know, my love of all things Jane Austen and how much I love Colin Firth and all this stuff. And he's like, that's funny. I have a song that's almost finished that has all those things in it. And he played what he had written so far for me, and I started crying. <laughs> I was like, you need to finish this so that I can put this in the show. And he finished oh. it, and this is what it is. All right. This is Victoria Houston Sumatra LM Nana with No More Heroes. And we'll be right back with Tori. Three daughters married. Oh, Mr. Bennett, God has been very good to us. Yes, so it would seem. Alone on your couch with a half-empty bottle of wine isn't fine watching Jane Austen so much that you know every line is a sign every night I sit mooning for a made-up Brit but where else will I find a man like that intelligent and kind and looks amazing in a hat to find your Mr. Darcy today there's only one surefire, reliable way. 
play.
Yeah. Honey, <laughs> if Victoria Houston LM is not worth the trip, I don't know who is. That was beautiful, darling. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Tori, uh, let's, let's, hey, did you watch the Super Bowl last night, by the way? I did, actually. What did you think of it? I felt really, really bad for the Broncos. Really bad. Because it just, it felt like, like they weren't there. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't, I mean, I'm not yeah. a sports person. I don't mean to pass judgment on uh, what anything that a football player is doing. But it felt like they just, like their, like their heads weren't there when they started. And like they didn't start on the right foot. And then it was just sort of a snowball effect. And I, I yeah. wasn't rooting for either team, and I was sitting in a room full of Broncos fans. So when they finally did score that one touchdown, I mean, we all were so excited because at that point I sort of feel like, you know, the Seahawks had it in the bag, but you, you kind of you just don't want them to be a shutout, you know? That's the yeah. worst. That yeah. was horrible. So. Don't want that bagel. Yeah. Well, I know <laughs> nothing, you know, about football, but I, I could tell that that was, that was not a good game. Oh. No, that was a really not a good game. <laughs> But, hey, did you see Syracuse and Duke on Saturday? I didn't. Isn't that tragic? You and I went to college. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't watch, but I heard it was an incredible game. Yeah, I, I, like, I had fallen asleep, and I woke up just in time for overtime. And it, it, I mean, I didn't see most of it, but I saw the overtime, and that in itself was incredible. Go Orange. Oh. Anyway, um, you, Tori, uh, beautiful song just now. How did you choose? Uh, the songwriters, how did you choose the material for your cabaret? You know, it's interesting. More, a lot of people have been asking me that, and I, I just kind of went through my catalog of songs that I've always wanted to sing and, saw, and tried to find things that would fit with uh, the stories I wanted to tell. Because I didn't want it to, the only thing I didn't want it to be is I didn't want it to be just an evening of me standing in front of my friends saying, I really like this song, and so I'm going to sing it for you, and just repeatedly doing that. I wanted it to have some sort of a, an arc. And I was mm-hmm. lucky that so many of the songs that I loved and wanted to sing met right in the middle with the stories I wanted to tell. For example, yeah. um, my friend my friend Lydia Benicky is a, a songwriter. She was for a long time she had a band called Blue Kid, and I I went and saw her at, at the Trash Bar in Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, like a year or two ago, and she sang this song called Nights Like This uh, and Your Mom, and I was there with my friend Mick Blyer, and we both were just I mean I keep saying that I was crying I was cr- a crying mess by the end of the song because it was just something about it really struck a chord with me, and I promise you that I don't cry at like every time someone plays something meaningful in front of me. But it was just one of those moments. And so when the opportunity to do this show came around, that was the first song that I I said to myself, that has to be in it somewhere. That song has to be in it. And I also started memorizing it immediately because it's one of the wordiest songs I've ever had to sing with no time to take breath. (laughs) How do you um, you manage that that without being able to breathe? How do you manage getting oh, all man. those words in? That, that song is kind of uh, a marathon in a lot of ways because not only mm-hmm. are you singing and without a lot of time to breathe, you're also doing like body percussion. She does this. Lydia is like well known for doing these things where she like beats on her chest and like you know, snaps her fingers and does all these cool things to make additional sounds to what she's singing while she's playing the piano. She's incredible. Wow. So, when I when I told her I wanted to sing the song and she sent me the lyric sheet and she came over to Andrew's house and the two of them sat down and 15 minutes later he had come up with an arrangement of it because they're musical geniuses and it took me 
three times as long as that to learn just how to do the rhythm on my chest. Um, <laughs> but as far as singing through it and, and when to breathe, I really, I had a, she either made a recording of it when I was, I was on tour with the Adams family for about a year and a half. And mm-hmm. while I was gone, I said to her, if you ever play that song again, can you, can you get like a soundboard recording of it from wherever you are? And so she got a soundboard recording of the next time she played it. And it's funny at the beginning of the track, she says, my friend Tori's on tour. So let's, sing this one for her and I've heard it a hundred times and I listened to that track so many times that I breathe when she breathes I I'm giving a I'm giving my own performance but all of the breathing that I do is just like how she does it that's the only way I could figure it out (laughs) and what's a soundboard recording oh so um actually what you just played was a soundboard recording um when when you're in a venue with uh, microphones Mm -hmm. going to the sound like the soundboard is where the guy running sound can control how much you hear of everything. So he can turn up the piano a little bit. He can turn down the drums if they're too loud. It's so he can control what you hear in the house as opposed to what's actually happening in, in the ratio to each other. Uh, but if you're lucky like me and they provide you with the, the tracks, like all the individual tracks from the soundboard, you can take them to a studio where uh, like my friend uh, Dennis Michael Keith has a recording studio and he took all the tracks and lined them up and, yeah, uh, did a little fiddling with each one of them so that they sound incredible. But yeah, it all originates from the, the soundboard in the house. Well, we've talked a lot about this song. What do you say we play nights like this? Your mom? Anything else you want to say about the song before we play it? Oh man, I hope I hope you can hear the the chest slapping on the radio. It might be a little hard to hear, but if it, if at any point it sounds like I'm hiccuping, it's because I'm beating my chest. So. <laughs> Let me ask you something. If it's one of these ladies who has her tits on her butt, then which part would she be would she be pounding her ass instead of her chest to the song? <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't put it past her. She would be far more talented than I. <laughs> <laughs> this is Victoria Houston Ellum with Nights Like This, your mom. We'll be right back with Tori. Nights like this when I burst through the door Drop the day's maladies onto the floor Pull my shirt up and off over my head Reach for a beer and I try to forget Kick off my shoes and don't care where they land Start up the shower and cancel my plans And while beer in the shower's no answer at all It's the only distraction from waiting for you to just Call, oh, 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 oh a map, turn off my phone and just never come back. See, I know a house with a lake and a rope. We could sit on the dock and just count all the boats. The piano up there is never in tune. The lake is the only A. See, in June I could take you up there. We could both get away. Make the bed squeak and swim all damn day. We're gonna do this, here's what you 
right in front of the wall My colleagues all never been shatter along And I sit at my desk writing this song Imagine our dinner and plans for the night I vote we both stay at your place tonight Or hey, let's skip dinner and go for a run Stop on the bridge and watch the Set and Sunday full day to sleep in and make out Watch BBC Sherlock and order takeout You can cook dinner while I build a chair You'll help me wash the paint out of my hair And your parents got us tickets for the big act So hey, sit this thing up in the back And I'll say it's a boy, we both won't believe it Who knew you were the thing that I the day's maladies onto the floor pull my shirt up and up over my head reach for a beer and i try to forget kick off my shoes and don't care where they land start up the shower and cancel my plans and while beer in the showers no answer at all it's the only distraction from waiting for you to just call around in my uh, living room. I mean, studio. That was, that was fantastic. I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting you said it's very wordy before, which it is, because that wordy word came up twice earlier today um, at my uh, other job where uh, I, one person was talking about how he doesn't uh, tweet, although he said, I don't twit. I don't twit <laughs> because I'm too wordy. And then another person asked me to proofread a, a letter for him, and, uh, well, he, he basically read it, and I, and, and I was like, yeah, a bit garrulous, but it's fine. And then he was like, oh, okay, wait, what does garrulous mean? And I said, wordy. And he said, isn't that a garrulous word for wordy? And I was like, no, maybe pompous, but not, gar- not garrulous, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, I just love that you were having a like a, a heated discussion about garrulous. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's well. The, you know, the wordy came up three times today. That's crazy. Uh, Victoria, every 
episode of Blazing Raya Radio, we try to play a game. It's called Hot or Hot Mess, where I give you a list of things, and you tell me if they're hot or a hot mess. Are you ready? Oh, God. Okay. I hope that I know any of the references. If it's, like, you know, popular culture references, I hope that I know what they are because <laughs> I'm terrible with that. So, yes, let's <laughs> play the game. <laughs> oh, God. Here we go. All right, first up on Hot or Hot Mess, Justin Bieber. You know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Am I just supposed to answer Hot or Hot Mess? You, you can do that. You can also explain your reasoning if you'd like, or you don't have to. I... I'm going to go with hot mess just because of what I gather is a a drunk driving record. Didn't he just get arrested for drunk driving? Well, the the alcohol level was actually below the the limit, but he was was on um, a pot, marijuana, and he is underage and had alcohol in his system, although he was was (laughs) below the legal amount. Um, and and he, it was just a combination of marijuana, beer, and Xanax that he was on at the time. Yeah, that's just, I don't know, that's just a level of irresponsible that I, I just don't, I can't forgive that. So, yeah, hot mess. Just, I mean, he's not, I mean, who am I to judge, you know, you know people in high school, you know, you know, kids, they go out and they party and they get drunk, whatever. Everyone has their time. I didn't do that, but I can't really drink. It makes me, I can't tolerate it. But... When you're in the pub, like when you're in the public eye like that, and you're like a role model for so many young kids and stuff, and you're going to go out and drink and take all kinds of drugs, and then go out and, and endanger the people around you in a car. Like, come on, if he's that wealthy, doesn't he have someone who can drive him around or something? Yeah. I don't know. That's that's my. I know I sound like an old woman. I sound, you know, like a little old lady. But that's. I don't know. No, I think if you're if you're going to be reckless and endanger the people around you, then you're a hot mess. Yes, you make very valid points. What about? <laughs> Miley Ray Cyrus, is she hot or a hot mess? Oh, man, that's kind of a hard one because I, I think that she's very aware of what she's doing. I think she's doing it all on purpose and, and is, you know, she's always, everyone's always talking about Miley Cyrus and she's selling a ton of records and, you know, Wrecking Ball is really catchy. Do I have it yeah. on, my iPad, on my iPod? No. Do I, do I listen to Miley Cyrus? Not really, but... I know who she is, that enough that when you ask me about her, oh, man, I guess I'd have to say she's kind of hot. You know, she's doing her thing. I, I, don't, I don't believe I don't know that Wrecking Ball is not on your iPod. It's, it's not. On there. I, I, I would, honestly, if I had it, I would listen to it, but I just haven't gotten around to downloading it. So I don't, <laughs> I don't have it. But I do have, some, I do have Katy Perry's Roar on my, on, my iPod, on my iPod, which... I'm just, you know, I'm not going to even apologize for that. That sounds really fucking catchy. Oh, yeah? Does it, does it motivate you, like, at the gym and stuff? Because that's what I use Roar for. Well, well, yes, but I think I need to take a second to explain why. Because my, my girl, Amanda, my girl, Amanda Trusty, who, like, if anyone out there knows who I'm talking about, she's the shit. She created this, like, Roar movement. She made this whole video about, like, coming to terms with her body. And it's really incredible. And, and that's where I first heard the song. So I sort of associate it with, all the, all that like positive attitude and just really great body image empowerment and so yeah it I do listen to it at the gym <laughs> but that's why because of Amanda Trusty. 
Next up on Hot or Hot Mess, Katie Brodnick, Hot or Hot Mess. Hot! The hottest of the hot. Agreed. You and I went, you and I I went to her, her uh, storytelling show, and I want to go back. I didn't even know what that yes. format was, and it's so freaking cool. Yes, I want to go back as well. People should check it out. Shut up, it's called. Um, and it's and at Where Was It People's Improv Theater. Yeah. So speaking of that night, what about the fact that Megan Sass didn't know Beyonce was singing every word, was singing the word that, the song, oh, my God. Come on with, home. With every every song up. in the interludes, yes. <laughs> what, what about the fact that Megan Sass didn't know that it was a Beyonce song that you knew every word to as we exited Kate Katie's comedy show? Was that moment hot or a hot mess? Um, well, uh, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Maybe it's a little bit hot mess because who doesn't know <laughs> Love on Top? It's a, it's a monster hit. Like, come on. She, like, revealed the fact that she was prego with it. She's, it's Beyonce. It's the Queen Bee. Um, And next up, coincidentally on Hot or Hot Mess, Beyonce, Hot or Hot Mess. Oh, hot. Just hot. Like almost as hot as Katie Brodnick. (laughs) What about (laughs) Kanye West, Hot or Hot Mess? Uh, Is there like an in-between? I don't really have – I don't know enough. I I don't know enough about Kanye West to to really give an opinion on that, I don't think. Whenever I hear Well, I love the hot, hot messes. Those are the best. Yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe he's like a hot, hot mess. I I like his music, but I've... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's all. Again, I was just going to say, when I hear his music, usually it's catchy and I like it, but then, like, whenever he's in the media, I feel like a lot of times it's for something not so hot. (laughs) How about last night's Super Bowl, hot or hot mess? Hot mess. (laughs) What about... Bruno Mars at last night's Super Bowl, hot or hot mess? That was hot, okay? I I have really – Bruno Mars, man, he can sing, and I love that he is just, like, single-handedly bringing back that Motown feel of performing. They have matching jackets, and they all have the moves, and, you know, there's so much – there's so many instruments being played, and everybody's a fucking musician. I really, I really appreciate that. I appreciate that he's – like making that cool again, you know what I mean? He's so great. I think I, there's a lot of a lot of um, pop artists will will draw from uh, like Motown influences, like Amy Winehouse with that uh, with like Valerie and all that stuff. Those those songs have that kind of a feel. They feel like they could have been in that era. But Bruno Mars is incorporating it into what he does in such a way that it feels fresh and new, and it's exciting. And I just I really dig Bruno Mars. <laughs> Holler. All right, we have time for two more hot messes. Uh, what about Jerry Clark, hot or hot mess? Oh, Jerry Clark's hot. Come on, that girl, she's written a bunch of books. She, she told us to get in elevators upside down and see what people do. Jerry Clark, totally hot. She told you to get in an elevator upside down? You don't remember that from, um, oh, God, Unacts, Unnatural Acts. Remember we had to do that? She had that book that she wrote that had exercises in it as, you know, for, like, the actor to go out into the world and uh, try and look at things a different way. And one of them was elevator exercise where you had to, you know, do weird things in an elevator to see what other people, how people would react. Like, go in and, like, face the wall or, you know, hum a weird tune. And it was fun and also weird. <laughs> well, you know, back when, when my office was in Chelsea, uh, one of my colleagues was in the, uh, the elevator uh, there and uh, this guy, it was just him and this other guy in the elevator, and the other guy pulled his cock out. 
<gasps> is that the type of exercise you're talking about? You know what's funny is I would probably be offended, but Jerry would probably get a kick out of it. She'd probably laugh and tell us the whole story in class. <laughs> and last up on Hot or Hot Mess, number seven, Matt Goldstein. Oh, man, just the hottest. You know I love me some Matt Goldstein. Oh, does he listen to this show? Because I just love him. <laughs> He should He's call my in. Brother he from should call in right now. Yeah. I wish, I wish he would. I wish he would. All right. That closes up Hot or Hot Mess. Um, before we close, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you mentioned before uh, you toured with the Adams Family First National Tour. Just tell me a bit about that experience. That must have been great. That was probably the most influential experience I've had as of yet, because I was a swing, and if anyone listening doesn't know what a swing is on a, on a production contract or any, pretty much any larger theater contract, a swing is an understudy that covers everyone in the ensemble, so I understudied seven people, and I had to know all seven tracks, and I went on for all seven tracks, and I was only in the oh show God. if somebody was out sick or on vacation or doing anything other than the show. So mm-hmm. I would have weeks where I, I would just sit backstage and, you know, watch Grey's Anatomy on my phone, and then I would have weeks when I would be six different people in a week. And it was really challenging, and I had to really stand my game, and I had to know all the different vocal parts and all the different choreography that they had to do. And it was great because it proved to me that I could do something like that because I've always, you know, fancied myself a singer and an actor but not the best dancer, and that's not – an easy show. So I was really proud of myself as far as that was concerned. And then yeah. the tour was, I mean, the Adams family is, is such a well-known uh, subject, you know, everybody's got mm-hmm. some connection to it. If they were old enough to have known the original comics or if like me, you grew up in the nineties and watched the movies with Angelica Houston, uh, everyone has some connection to the Adams family. So our audiences would come in full costume and snap along and just were so excited about it and about us. It was a really great experience. It was it was wonderful to go out and have that kind of effect on so many people across the country. That's that's awesome. What was your favorite place to play? My favorite place. I think my favorite city this is hard. I mean I really love Seattle. I, I just that it's such a wonderful city and everyone is so welcoming and there's such great culture there, like the Chihuly Glass Museum, which if anybody is anywhere in the in that area, go to go there. It's such a beautiful museum. Um and then also randomly, Madison, Wisconsin was an really? awesome city. Yeah, it's a college town and maybe you said it was the spring and it was beautiful and the weather was great, but again, everybody was so friendly and so happy that we were there and it was just really a good week. I feel like we everybody was really happy that week. So, yeah, Madison and Seattle. Uh, and you, I read in your bio you were uh, recently uh, seen with a hook gutting pirates in Peter Pan, the boy who hated mothers. What was that about? Yes. Oh, that was nuts. I did. So <laughs> my friend um, Christopher Murrah called me. Out of nowhere, I had just done my cab- the cabaret for the first time on in October, and he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm going to be directing this production of Peter Pan. It's this new uh, adaptation of it where Hook 
is played by a woman, and you'd also play Mrs. Darling and adult Wendy. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, you don't have to audition. Just come and do it. I think you'd really have a good time. And it's the first time anybody's ever said, you know, you don't have to audition. Just come do it. And that was really exciting. And yeah. the play was really, really dark. So it had all the elements of Peter Pan that you know and love, but with, like, the added twist of sort of being looked at from – uh, like the J.M. Barry point of view. I don't know if you know, J.M. Barry, his his brother died when he was very young and his mother never recovered from it. She was just sort of broken after that. And he used to put on uh, his brother's clothes and stand in the doorway in the shadows and sort of like, pan, you know, be his, his brother for his mom who couldn't handle it. And I think that mm-hmm. that is what they say, the idea of like the shadow boy, like the idea of Peter Pan came out of that, the boy who never who never grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my my character, this Hook and Mrs. Darling, was sort of the crazy Jamberry's mom version of all those things. And Hook was the embodiment of her hurt and her sorrow, and that little that little tiny piece deep inside that you know resented her child for dying. So it was very, it was really wow. dark, and I I was killed on stage with my own Hook, and every scene I was you know, killing a different pirate and it was very heavy, but it was great. And everybody in it was wonderful and it was a great experience. It was, and it was a straight play. There was no singing, which is also not something I get to do very often. And when I do get the Mm -hmm. chance, it's really thrilling. So that was really fun. I'm so glad you asked about that. Was it like, I mean, was it a drama? Was it a dark comedy? What, what genre would you classify that as? probably call it a drama but there was definitely moments of levity i mean our our lost boys had some really beautiful moments just as children you know like play act like playing the way that kids do and just all the things that they had to go through it's just that uh the things that i did everything that i nothing that i did was really funny everything i did was dark and twisty because it had to be <laughs> but like our isn't that so much fun though it's so much fun to play the guy who's going around killing everyone you know, it was a nice change because I usually play like the mom. I'm usually, you know, the loving, nurturing mommy, which is great, and I'm I'm good at that, and I really that I connect with that. But it was definitely fun to 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 go for something a little darker and a little more frightening. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of moms, did you go on as as Morticia in the Adams family? No, I didn't understudy Morticia. I understudied Grandma oh. and Alice, which is Wednesday's boyfriend's mother. I know. Yes. <laughs> Wednesday's but boyfriend's mother. But I did. I did go mother. on as both of those. Yeah, Wednesday's boyfriend's mother, dressed all in yellow, speaks in rhyme, gets drunk, and then sings her face off. I don't remember this character from. Was was this character uh, in the TV series or the movies before? Um, I don't think so. I think if I remember, I think the Beinekees that family might have been in the comics or maybe they just drew a comic that looked, I'm not sure exactly. I think they might have been in the original comic somewhere, but it's a whole new storyline in that Wednesday is like 16. Now she's, you know, a teenager and she has a boyfriend and that's kind of the crux of the show is her, you know, bringing this family from Ohio, this normal family into their not normal home. And the Adam's trying to, you know, fit into this little box that, you know, Wednesday wants them to try and be normal for her boyfriend's family. And that sort of sets everything askew. Got it. So, uh, Tori, I adore you so much. You're amazing. (laughs) 
I love you. This is so exciting. <laughs> um, Victoria Houston Allen plays 54 Below. That's at 254 West 54th Street on February 12th, 2014 at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so it don't show up in a different time zone. There is a $10 cover charge and $20 food and beverage minimum. I think that's, that's a good deal. I've been there before yeah. and paid way more than that. Tickets and information yep. are available at 54below.com. Tickets on the day of the performance after four are only available by calling 646-476-3551. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about It's All Right With Me, and we'll go out on that. So It's All Right With Me is written by Cole Porter. It's a really wonderful old tune that I was looking for one last song in the show. We wanted an up-tempo. We wanted something to sort of break it up a little bit. And I had this story in mind or this moment in my life where I was kind of dating this bartender who was sort of a douchebag and he was just (laughs) not a good idea. And this song is all about, you know, you're not, you're not perfect. You're not the guy that I want, but you know what? Fuck it. You're okay for now. (laughs) And so I, I brought the music to Andrew and I said, what do you think? What can we do with this? And a week before the cabaret performance, he came up with this arrangement, this really crazy, fast arrangement of the song, which really features Danny Weller on the bass. He has this killer bass solo in the middle. And it's become one of my favorite moments in the show because everybody just, their toes are tapping, and it's exciting. And it's a new sound on, a, on an old classic song. So there you go. Sounds great. So... Uh, this is Victoria Houston Ellen. She will be at 54 Below next week, February 12th. Check her out. Uh, thank you so much for doing the program, Tori. I don't know why we haven't done it before. Well, anytime, love. <laughs> All right. Have a wonderful night. This is Victoria Houston Ellen, Nana, Sumatra, with It's All Right with Me. Thank you, darling. Here we go. It's the wrong time and the wrong place Though your face is charming It's the wrong face It's not his face But such a charming face That it's all right with me It's the wrong Though your lips are tempting, they're the wrong lips They're not his lips, but they're such tempting lips That if some night you're free It's alright, it's alright with me Oh, my God. 
Yeah, all right. Check her out. Victoria Houston Ellen, 54 Below. Check out 54below.com for all the ticket information, February 12th, 1130. Be there. Uh, I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence, and if you have a Barbie doll, bend her backwards, strip off them clothes, burn her nipples on the stove, and leave her in some drawers somewhere. Good night, everybody. Paper towel. See the house lights start to blink, and the sky is turning pink. Gosh, what will the neighbors think? Cause here it is tomorrow again. We could share a perfect dance, but we've danced the night away. Guess you'd better hit the head, cause here it is tomorrow again. We saw the sunset in the sky, soon we'll see the dawn. Mother nature's about to rise, and Father time is marching on. Did you hear my daddy yell? We've been leaning on the bell. Kiss me quick and run like 60, cause here it is tomorrow again. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.